Welcome to Freedom Fellowship. More information can be found online at cometofreedom.com. Grab your Bibles, open your hearts. You're going to be blessed today. We have a special guest teacher with us. We love the Word of God because we love the Lord and we love what He has to say to us. So please get your hearts open and ready to receive all that He would have. If you don't want to miss any future studies from Freedom here, please subscribe now. So uh, it's been a while since I've been up here. The uh, Usually the Lord like kind of gives me something over the course of time when I'm planning to preach. And um, this one, I, I kind of like got bits and pieces of it and then it sat and I felt like there was no path. I was just telling Chad before. There's, it felt like there was like no path to how I was supposed to be presenting this because in the past, like it's so much easier when you just have God's word and you just read a whole chapter and you just let him speak through all of that. But then when you deal with like one single topic, it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta really be prayerful <laughs> with this because it could go many, many different ways. And I felt like I sat and I dwelled on this for weeks and then in the last week and a half, it was just like, boop. <laughs> and the Lord's like, there you go. And he was really good in that. So um, I'm just, oops, getting ahead of myself. Uh, I'm just really grateful that, that uh, I'm able to preach this morning. Um, you guys have those uh, memories from your childhood where it was like super vivid, more vivid than any other memories that you can remember. Um, and it's just something that you continually carry with you as you go through life. And it might just be an ins insignificant thing sometimes, or it might be a big thing. Um, when, when I was five, uh, we grew up in a very small town in Pennsylvania, uh, maybe like the size of Freedom or something like that, and just a couple thousand people. And uh, um, we lived in this old farmhouse, uh, for, for a number of years, and I remember uh, I was five, I'm outside playing in the yard underneath a big old tree like most five-year-olds in that day, and uh, my mom's mowing the grass, okay, and there was an old uh, tree stump that was kind of dug out, and, but there's still kind of some bark and wood there, and she rode the mower over this thing just on the edge, and a piece flew out and hit me right in the head. And I, being five, like I, the only part that I remember is thinking, man, my toys are awesome. And then I'm laying on the ground. Right. So, uh, it felt like a split second. I mean, just put, put yourself in my mom's position. Like she was riding on a lawnmower and you know how focused you get when you're doing yard work and all that. And it, to a five-year-old, it felt like a split second, and she was, like, hovering over me, like, checking on me, seeing if I'm okay, and I don't, I don't remember any pain. I don't remember any, any emotion or anything. It was just, like, she was right there, hovering over me, checking on if I was okay, and the next thing I knew, I was at the clinic getting stitches in my face, so... Um, and, and that whole part is another part of the story. I'll just say one thing about when you're five and you're getting stitches in your head, uh, it's, it's, 
you can imagine, you don't want to be around that. <laughs> and so I remember there was like this, I mean, this was like, what, the 80s. So there was this vest thing that they put around me, try, attempted to put around me to like restrain me from pulling away, and I was like too small for that. So my mom was right there holding me, you know, speaking these, these affirmatives over me, trying to comfort me as the doctor's threading a needle through my head. Um, so th this is one that, that I always come back to in my head often because the, it, it solidified in my mind and my life that, that my mom was there and was providing for me, was looking over me, was, was protecting me, and, and just genuinely cared. And so we have these experiences uh, with, with uh, people and with events in our lives that, that kind of help us to, at times, get a better sense of who God is. Um, however, there's an inherent danger uh, care needs to be taken when we look around at creation and at people and try to develop a sense of who God is, right? We, we can't look at a fallen world and think that the God is like that. And that bottom-up approach is, is always going to fail. It's going to lead us to develop a, a sense of God's character that is not accurate, that is not true, uh, because we're, we're looking at something that's, that's not right. Um, so this is kind of like looking in a mirror at, at somebody's reflection and thinking that you're actually seeing the real person. But what happens when that mirror is dirty or cracked or distorted or broken in some way? You, you get some kind of refraction. You get some kind of, of interference, uh, a disturbed view of that reflection. And so th there's, there's a, a problem when we look at creation and we think that we can immediately see God's character. We know that, that the Bible teaches us that, that uh, all of creation cries out, right? That, that it's a reflection of his beauty, that, that it proclaims that there is a God but that beauty comes from the top down. He's the creator, we are the creation. And so what we need to do is always view it in that way, from the top down. So when, when we're looking at God's character, his holiness, and how he defines creation, it is the artist that's creating, right? And the art mimics the artist, not vice versa. So what do you think the best way to get an idea of who God's character is? Like if we want to view creation and we want to, to understand him more in his creation, then what would be the best place to go to understand that? What was that? Yeah, his word. His word is the authoritative description of his character, who he is. So every time we want to see God's character, we have to go to his word. Um, now, God defines himself in his word as a lot of different things. I'm grateful for Lance's uh, communion message, and I'll talk a little bit about that too, but he saved me some time here because he talked about some of the things that I was going to talk about too. But isn't it crazy that, that God describes himself as a mother? 
that's not how we traditionally see it, right? We, we, we call him, we just read upstairs during prayer in Galatians 4, we cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus called him Father. Pray to him as a father. But we have glimpses of God from a motherly role, too. And I don't want to get into the weeds here by discussing, like, gender differences and whether God is a man or a woman. Like, that stuff is all moot. It doesn't matter. That part doesn't matter. It's who God's character is, what it is. So there's a couple, there's a couple things. Um, and as you can tell from the picture up here, uh, as Lance was talking, here's, here's a chicken with its brood and protecting it. Uh, underneath its own body. So um, as we as we go here, uh, I just want to. This is kind of kind of going to be part of the theme here, and um, we'll kind of develop that as we go. So there's a few few passages that I, I want to look at first, just to to kind of show that that this isn't the the communion message that Lance gave isn't j- just the only example of God referring to Himself as a mother. But there are many. Um, Isaiah, three times in Isaiah, uh, he, he says this. Uh, in, in 66, um, starting in verse 12, he says, For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the nations like an overflowing stream, and you shall nurse, you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you. You shall be comforted in Jerusalem. You shall see, and your heart shall rejoice. Your bones shall flourish like the grass, and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants, and he shall show his indignation against his enemies. So here we have, we have a, a sense of, of comforting, of, of protection that is God over his children. Forgive me. We'll just run with that. What's that? Oh, thank you, Bruce. <laughs> um, again, in, in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 15 and through 18, says, Can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? So kind of speaking to one of the points that Lance made, that that. A mother, a mother's love for her children is is relatable in any culture in any place. Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your builders make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste go out from you. Lift up your eyes around and see. They all gather. They come to you. As I live, declares the Lord, you shall put them all on as an ornament. You shall bind them on as a bride does. I wanted to read all these verses because it's it kind of speaks to another thing that Lance brought up. Sometimes children are really cruel, and and saying that they they hate you as your your mother or even a father. Sometimes that happens. God dealt with that with His nation Israel. He deals with it with us every day in our disobedience. Um, 
in, in us turning away from him, and yet he's there saying that even these may forget, but I will never forget you. Again, Isaiah 42, verses 14 through 17, he says, For a long time I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. They are turned back and utterly put to shame. Who trust in carved idols, who say to metal images, you are our gods. So he, <laughs> this one's interesting to me because he's, he's portraying himself as a woman in childbirth. And yet, what is he saying? The, the context of, of this passage in particular is, is regarding calling Israel back to himself after they've been so disobedient, so unfaithful to him. And he's saying, I'm still going to protect you in this. So his cries are not in vain. They, they are heard and they, they, they come to fruition. So now that we understand that, that it's not foreign for God to refer to himself as, as a mother in certain instances for, for the purpose of defining his own character, what is motherhood? That's kind of the next question. So uh, Lance talked about this with the, with the chicken, right? The hen, the mother hen. I think, as Lance said, we, God was, is really good in his word to give us images that we can relate to. Like even if you, even if you had a, a horrible mom in your life, you can look around you and see another example of that, whether it's with another family or a friend growing up, or, or maybe a grandmother, or you can look, in this case, to nature and, and see just the, the simplicity of what that character is revealing. So I, I kind of want to come back to, to Matthew 23 here. There's a few more pictures of chickens. Uh, verse 37 is kind of what I want to focus on. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings as you and you were not willing. So, as Lance said, there, there's a purpose for a, a hen to gather chicks with her. Um, the rooster's not around, right? The rooster is acting like a rooster. But the mother hen is is there, and uh, if like I remember growing up, like we in uh, school we had like the opportunity to incubate some eggs and stuff in school. I don't, has anybody had that experience? Nobody. Lance, Bruce, Chad. Okay, so some of us have <laughs> Lizzie. Okay, so um, I I had this opportunity too, and and there's you know outside the incubation chamber. 
the, the mother is doing that role, right? She's sitting on the eggs. We all know this. This is kind of something they teach in grade school. We all know this. They, they, the hen sits on the eggs, using her feet to rotate them, getting proper heat distribution, and, and there's a warmth that's there. There's a, a, a connection that's being established. And, and so the, even the, the hen is speaking to her chicks while they're still in the, in, in the egg, right? The, and, and once they're hatched, she's still speaking to them. They're getting to know her, what she sounds like, how she acts. Well, if, she, if she chirps or clucks in, in this area, or when they do this, they, they recognize this. And so there's this learning process that's going on. They're establishing a connection between each other. And of course, like Lance mentioned, there's, there's a provision for sustenance, right? She's constantly going out and, and finding grub and, and bugs and whatever else chickens decide to eat and bringing it back and, and feeding it to her, her chicks. And so they're relying on her for provision. And so this kind of all sums up in one word, and that's comfort. Comfort. We'll get into that in one more minute. The other side of this is just like when Lance said you try to take some eggs from a brooding chicken, and if you like your hands, you would take some safeguards there, right? There are other animals that, that, that do this, obviously, but, but chickens are one because like, they're naturally like, kind of um, innocent-looking almost. Like you, you, you might not suspect that, that they're capable of doing the things that they're doing, and yet they, they are. And so there is a, a sense of protection. That's the other word I want to focus on is protection. And there's not, not just one sense protection. Like we, we can understand that, that a, a mother hen is going to protect her chicks from, from a predator or something trying to eat it or, or steal it. But there's also two other things too. One, you can see the, the first image up here is a little bit grainy, but... The, the, the chicken is literally being an umbrella over her chicks. And like you can, you can tell, like, are those chicks completely dry? No, they're not dry. But she's sheltering them. Even in the protection, there's a connection to comfort, right? When they're cold and they're wet and they, they're like wondering what's going on, the, the, the mother hen is over them, protecting them, whispering to them. So they might not be completely out of the elements, but she's there protecting. The other one is, is wandering. Sometimes chickens get curious, just like we do, and we start going out and doing other things, and mother hen is like, hey, where are you going? Are you going to get eaten by a fox? And so she gathers them back, just like Jesus said in, in the parable, if, if you would only listen to me. So she wants to gather them back to protect, to keep from wandering, to keep from falling into a ditch somewhere or getting eaten by a hawk or many, many other things. Um. I want to take time to pray because we're going to get into like, the meat of this right now. And praying's good. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for uh, giving us a new day and just allowing us to, to be in your word and to be taught by you, to sit at your feet for a while uh, this morning. And thank you for an opportunity to, to recognize uh, moms and, 
and motherly figures in our lives and, and to see your beauty uh, being um, radiated from them, Lord. We, we pray that, that the word here and now is, is handled with care, with um, a pure heart, and we pray for those hearts that are receiving too, and my, mine as well, Lord. Thank you for teaching me, and uh, we just pray for blessing uh, right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the main passage I want to focus on is Psalm 84, and uh, really just two verses out of this. Um, last night, when I was putting this together, this worked really, really good. And now, for some reason, <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh, well. It is what it is. Um, so Psalm 84 is one that I've, I've uh, come back to over and over again, and maybe some others have too. It's, it's one of reassurance. It's one of praise. It's one of, of um, just seeing the Lord as he is and recognizing him as such. So... Um, if you want to turn there, you can, certainly. I have it up here. Hopefully it's easy to read. This is my first time doing that. So, Psalm 84 says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise, Selah. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength, each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The two verses I kind of want to focus on, and there's, there's a lot in here, um, but the two I want to focus on, the two that I come back to over and over, like this is one of those things where the Lord gave me very early on in the planning, like this is the verse you're going to use to get the point across. And this is one that, that I come back to a lot when, when I'm discouraged or when I'm, I'm feeling alone. Verse 11 and 12, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The two things that... I take out of this, and again, I keep coming back to, is the sun and the shield. And if you 
or observant. The picture at first with the chicken said sun and shield. And so this is kind of what I want to focus on, on, on how God is like a mother and how mothers are a reflection of the Lord and why they matter. So the mother is a son. Let's take that first. So this Hebrew word shemesh, uh, maybe this has been maybe talked about. Maybe you've heard that. Uh, that word shemesh is literally the sun, like the big burning ball of gas in the sky. Um, 126 times in the Old Testament. Talks about it a lot in very different contexts, but always that word shemesh. And if you think about the sun, like, like I mean, today's kind of overcast, but uh, like yesterday, like we were at a soccer game, soccer tournament yesterday, and um, it was overcast for most of the morning. And then the, in the afternoon, the sun starts poking out, right? And you're like, in the morning, you're like, uh, it's kind of chilly, you know? And then the sun starts coming out, and you're like, ah, that's nice. So there's a comfort in that, right? Even just the rays of the sun, you feel the warmth, you feel the, the, the pleasure that it gives you. Uh, and here in Wisconsin, we know uh, the winters get long, right? And, and it's often overcast through that time. And then the spring gets here and the summer gets here, and it's like, oh, the sun is out. It's awesome. And so this, this comfort, this, getting back to this idea of comfort, I'm, I'm going to ascribe the word comfort to the sun, and that's kind of what we're going to focus on. It's not the only part of it, but that's what I want to focus on right now. So it's, uh, it's easy to, to get lost in this word comfort at times because, um, like, when I think of it at least, um, I think comfort. Oh, a comforter, like I'm going to, like, snuggle up and be warm, right? And that's kind of part of it. But it loses a lot of the meaning of the actual word comfort. And if, if you do a little bit of digging, even just a quick Google search, you find that it's actually two Latin words put together, as often happens. And it's calm and fortis. So calm is literally like a forceful bringing into, right? Like it's just done, kind of out of your control. Fortis is where we get our word for fort, fortress, fortitude. It's strength. So if you put the two together, you understand that it means being brought into the strength of something. So when we think about the sun, the warmth is only really one aspect, right? There's a strength that comes from it. And I think that's really what, what Psalm 84 is getting at here when it says the Lord God is a sun. We know that he lights our path. We know that, that he comforts us. But do we believe that, that he is our strength, that he's where we reside, that he's where we should want to be? And I'm reminded of, of this another passage that Jesus says, Come all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? There's, there's a, a comfort in that, that the, the burdens that we're carrying can be laid down, that his yoke is easy and light and that, that we can come into his comfort as our Savior. The other aspect of this, God as Son, the Lord as Son, is compassion. Uh, compassion literally means to suffer together. Now think about that, to suffer together. So this is when you see somebody that's in distress and pain, and you have a deep desire, a longing to alleviate that pain. And not just alleviate it as like you can fix it, but you alleviate it by coming alongside them and sharing in it. 
And what other better picture do we have of that than Christ on the cross? Sharing our pain as, as man, bearing our burden on that, that piece of wood. I think that's a, a really good picture. There, there's a lot of other pictures, though, too, of Jesus being compassionate. He heals the sick and the lame, right? Imagine what they were feeling. And, and the scriptures literally say he, was, he had compassion on them because they were sick and lame. He had compassion on the multitudes when he fed them. Think of that, 5,000 people, and he fed them with a couple fish and loaves. He had compassion on them. The parable of the master forgiving his slave's debts, it says that, that the master had compassion on the guy who owed him and forgave it. The father in the prodigal son story had compassion on his prodigal son as he was returning. He saw him from far off, and he had compassion on him. The Samaritan traveling on the road and seeing the guy that got beat up says that he had compassion on that man and suffered alongside of him. When Jesus looked around, and this is, might be one of my favorites. When Jesus looked around in Matthew 9 and he saw the crowds, it says, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He wanted to suffer alongside of them. So what are the... Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. One last point here on what a son can be taken as, it's nurturing. There's an obvious material provision that we have. God provides for us in every way that we, we know um, and a lot of ways that we don't know. But outside of the food and the shelter and the clothing, there's a spiritual provision too. There's a, a constant feeding of milk and meat, depending on where we're at spiritually, coming alongside of, of us in that. And there's an emphasis on, on his reassurance and truth. Think of the, uh, the example of the hen speaking to her chicks and them constantly getting uh, connected to her through that, knowing what she's thinking and, and wanting them to do and, and how she's communicating with them. God is constantly reassuring us of, of those things. And it's also a reminder of who God is and what he does. Think of how many times... The Lord said to Israel while they're wandering in the desert, while they were uh, a nation, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He's constantly reminding us of what he's, he's done for us and what he's doing for us now. It's also relational. I talked about the, the speaking to, to the chicks uh, as, as mother hen, but it's about letting your presence be felt. He's letting... His presence be felt among his people. And he's speaking into the hearts of situations, right through the heart, or into the heart. He cuts through, think of how many times he spoke to the Pharisees, Jesus did, and, and they asked him a question, and he like followed up with a question that you're like left scratching your head, like, why would you ask that, Jesus? But like that's what he does. And and he the point was he gets right to the heart of the matter. He doesn't get lost in the weeds. He doesn't uh, uh, get distracted by things that don't really matter. He cuts right to the heart of it. 
And lastly, again, he's sharing in the sufferings. That's relational. So let's, let's go back and, and, and think about all these things in the context of a mother. If, if Jesus is showing us, like Lance mentioned, that, that a mother hen is a picture of him and his love for us, remember, Jesus is referring to himself. I, I as a mother hen, would have called you under my wings. How many times would I have? Then think of all these things as, as a mother. Think of, think of the comfort, the coming into strength that a mother has the ability that she has that God has given her. Think of the compassion that a mother embodies when she sees her children helpless, wandering. When she sees her children that are hungry, that might need rest. The nurturing, not just the material, but but including the material, the spiritual needs of her children and how they're being met. And in, in that, I kind of want to be encouraging here, and, and I hope that the, the, this whole message is encouraging to mothers because I, that was one of my desires in preparing is that this is just simply an encouragement for mothers to, to rest in, in who God has created you to be. But the spiritual milk and meat Mothers, you have an opportunity, a huge opportunity with children to feed them spiritually, to nourish them in ways that, that go beyond the material. We have an opportunity, you have an opportunity as mothers to, to pray over your children, to bring them before the Lord and, and offer the things that are outside of your control, your own provision. And you also have a, uh, an opportunity to, to remind your children of who the Lord is, how great he is. Just like Psalm 84 alludes to so often, singing of praise, all this leading up to God as a sun and shield. So we get to praise our ch- uh, with our children and teach them how to do that. Mothers are, are a vital part of that. I think the relational thing is is one that's hard, especially in this day and age, because it's really easy just to let kids do whatever, um, whether that's positive or negative or whatever it might be. But the relational things are probably the most important. Not only uh, should we be praying over our children, mothers especially, but but the just simply being a mother with your kids. And, and the reassurance that you give your, your children as you're just simply having your presence felt by them. So, I teased this earlier, but now you get to see it. <laughs> My encouragement is, moms, be a son for your children. The comfort, the compassion, the nurturing and spiritual and relational and material things. Be a son for your children. I I sum this up by saying that being a son means a compassionate encourager that suffers alongside them and seeks to comfort them in times of pain and distress. I'll leave that one up there for a bit. 
The other part of this, though, is a shield. So the sun is kind of easy, straightforward, like we can picture that, but a shield, if we, if, especially if we use the shield in relation to moms, like a shield is an implement of war, right? And we don't often associate implements of war with women, but I think that there's room to do just that. And, and the idea of a shield is very unlike other things in war. Right, it serves a different purpose. This Hebrew word for shield is megen. Um, it's used 17 times in Psalms alone. This is something that that the Old Testament, especially, keeps coming back to in different capacities, different uh, ways of of using this word uh, shield or buckler in in some translations to to illustrate different aspects of not just like war but god's character and obviously that's that's portrayed in the psalm 17 different psalms use this word again as identifying with the lord so there's three different ways that that i think that um obviously a shield is meant for protection right we all know that it's if you went to grade school social studies you found that out pretty quick so um this idea of protection this comes back to again to to those three things I mentioned before about a mother hen: protection from predators, protection from the weather, the elements, the the environment that is out there, and the protection from wandering. So again, think of these things in relation to God's character, but also as a mother's character. With the predators, there's there's a zeal to defend and and shield from malice, both physical and spiritual. It's not just a physical thing. We, we, might, we might live in fear sometimes of, of things happening to us or our children, and we want to protect them from those things, but we know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? There are spiritual dangers, spiritual things at work that, that impact us and our children. I had, I had a thought recently, and this is pretty sobering to me, the same enemy that trips you up day in, day out, tempting you to, to sin, to be belligerent, to hate God, is pulling the same exact tricks, the same exact schemes in his cruel ways to our children. Think about that. If we want to protect our children from, from those uh, physical threats in this world that, that may harm them, that may uh, uh, abuse them and use them, we should definitely be concerned about the spiritual threat because that enemy is far greater than any physical one that we may face. But there's things that are inside of our control and many, many more that are not. And I think that that is also sobering because many of the physical things we can do certain things to, to protect and, and separate our kids from those to, to help them to avoid the risks there. But many, many times there are not anything that we can do. So we have to realize what's in our control and what's not. If it's within our control, we're prayerfully considering these things. <laughs> of what's in our control, then we should probably take action, right? The Lord would, would tell us that that's what a faithful servant would do. 
However, when it's not in our control, what are we doing? Are we turning to the Lord? Remember the last line in, in this Psalm 84, verse 12 says, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. We have to constantly remind ourselves that it's okay that things are outside of our control. In fact, most things in this world are outside of our control. But God has everything in control. And we are called blessed when we trust in him. Uh, regarding the weather, sometimes we want to insulate our kids from, from what might be happening out there. If we go back to the picture of the, the mother hen with her chicks in the rain, like it would, it would be our desire and mother's desire to just be like, I don't want them to get wet at all, <laughs> right? But when you're standing out in the rain, it's kind of hard to do that, especially if it's a torrential downpour. Sometimes it might be easy, but many times it's not. So this isn't about insulating them from the environments that they're in, but reinforcing them instead. And this is why a shield is, is appropriate here, because you, a shield might provide some, some shelter at times, but think of those around that shield that also have shields that are able to support one another. And so as, as mothers, as, as you protect your children from, from the environments that, that you're in, that they're in, I would encourage you not to attempt to insulate them but to reinforce them in those moments to, to help them to learn from the situations, the environments, the, the afflictions that they may have, and, and to help them to grow into the, the people that God has meant them to grow into. The last one is the wandering part. There's always a danger of being a prodigal, right? Like that's, that's probably a, a parent's number one fear when it comes to their children, at least if you're walking with the Lord, being a, uh, having a prodigal child. But if you, if you start listening to other people and what their experiences are, you'll learn that prodigal kids are pretty prevalent. There's a lot of prodigals in the world. Kids who grew up in, in the, the church, grew up with a faith, and then walked away. And I think as a, a mother, we can look at that story of the prodigal son, and it's the father involved there, but, but I think it's not too much of a stretch to say that mothers could be substituted for that. How are we approaching that? And what are we doing to ward off that from happening? Because if it all comes back to what we have in control and what we don't, right? If we, if we think we have something in control when we, it's not in our control at all, we, we run the risk of strangling it and creating stress in relations with our kids especially. So the two things that, that I think are really appropriate in situations like this, and these, these aren't easy things to do, is simply speaking truth and life over them. And, and just like we, we had to come to God's word to, to learn what God's character is, the only source of truth and life, and we all know this, is found in God's word too. So coming, bringing it back to God's word with your kids is, is so important. To, to help them to get an, a, a sense of not just foundation, but an understanding of who they are in the Lord. And that's the, the second point, is instilling a deep sense of identity into them. That's something that this world struggles with immensely right now. And 
people are looking everywhere for identity, trying to go out and find who they are. Guys, it starts at home. That starts with God's word. And mothers have an opportunity to do that, even in those small little moments of building a relationship with your kids. The other way that, that a shield is kind of, of like this, and I think it's cool how it relates to uh, the, the one line in verse 11, is that it's a covering of sorts, right? Like soldiers use a shield for a lot of different things, not just in, in war, but, but uh, maybe even sleeping under at times. Um, uh, but there's, there is a sense of comfort even in a shield. And, and that, that word in the next line there, after it says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield, the Lord bestows favor and honor. Some, some versions say glory. Glory and honor, it comes back to the Hebrew word kabod, which is often what is ascribed to God's glory. So that idea that there's a kabod, a covering over our children and mothers, <laughs> you, you, are, you are a chief provider of that covering. It talks to, to the, the shield-like qualities that, that you're providing for your kids. The last part here, we, we sometimes, I don't know if you've seen these stickers on cars, it says Mama Bear, <laughs> and, and it gives a sense of, of protection, right? Um, that, that this woman really takes mothering seriously, apparently, and uh, is, is really about her kids. There's a passage in Hosea 13 that, that kind of relates to this. It says, I will fall, this is God talking, I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her cubs. Boy bears don't have cubs, by the way. <laughs> Mom bears do. <laughs> I will tear open their breast, and there I will devour them like a lion, as a wild beast would rip them open. That's pretty gruesome, right? But... Getting back to the bear part, a bear of her cubs, again, God referring to himself as a mother, bear, I'm sure we've all heard bear stories of like, hey, you don't get between a mom and its cubs, right? Um, I've heard some bear stories, and they're not pretty. There's a lot of uh, horror that comes out of that. (laughs) Um, Bears are ferocious, yet they don't go out looking for it, right? A mama bear isn't on the prowl looking for somebody that she might rip apart because they looked at her the wrong way. What does the scripture say? It says, like a bear robbed of her cubs. It's about protection of her young, that she's ferocious. So this is literally saying that a mother is a defender. And this is hard for us because we want to to think of, oh, only fathers can be defenders, only men can be defenders. But we have God's word saying that a mother is a defender of sorts. So if we contrast this idea of a shield to the, some other implements of war, what are some other implements of war back then? Sword, spear, bow, Knife, maybe. Thanks, Bruce. What's that? An axe. We have sharp objects meant to go on the attack. That's not how mothers are described here, is it? 
No. A bear might have some sharp things on his hands. Thank you, verse Paul's. <laughs> but the point of those sharp things is to, is to defend her children. So there, yet, while there is a distinction between a motherly role and a fatherly role in this sense, because you know men can carry shields too, and I think that's part of their roles as fathers and husbands, it does link those two, mother and father, together in God's character. Just a little nugget. That's why marriage is important. <laughs> when there's a father and a mother, you have the sword and the shield together. It's a kind of a beautiful way to look at it. There are a lot of passages that use this word, Hebrew word, megen. I'm going to take us through just a couple, really, really quick. 2 Samuel 22, 3. I take refuge in God, my rock, my shield, and the strength of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge. O oh, my Savior, you will save me from violence. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty one. This God, his way is blameless. The promise of Yahweh is flawless. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty six. You have given me the shield of your salvation. Your willingness to help has made me great. Psalm 3, 4. But you, Yahweh, are a shield around me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. Psalm 18, 3. Yahweh is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I have taken refuge, my shield and the horn of my deliverance, my stronghold. Psalm 115, 9. O Israel, trust Yahweh. He is their help and their shield. In the, next very, the very next verse, Actually, the next two verses. O house of Aaron, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and their shield. You who fear Yahweh, trust in Yahweh. He is their help and their shield. And lastly, Psalm 119. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. That gives you a really good sense of what this, this word megen means. A little nugget of information the Star of David is literally called Megen. So think about that in relation to the nation of Israel, not just today, but long ago. And that's where the encouragement comes from in this one. Mothers, be a shield to your children. You are a defender, and you are empowered by the Most High God to do that thing. I'm defining a shield a mother as a shield like this, a defender that is not insulating or enabling, but instead discerns real physical and spiritual threats and protects her children from them. All right, I'm wrapping up here. How am I on time? Perfect, five minutes here. This begs the question, who are your children? It's easy to think, I'm a mom, I have children. And that fits maybe 90% of us right now. Women, I'm saying, not me. But there are many women who don't have children. Many women who can't have children. Many women who have children that are elsewhere. There are all sorts of situations that you can run into. 
So this isn't some exclusive thing that, that just pertains to your biological children. This is something that is very inclusive and, and should be taken as an opportunity. The first one, there's three things. I'll be very quick with this. The first one is familial. This is the most obvious one. This is you as a mother of biological kids. I want to draw from 2 Timothy chapter 1 here. Paul writes, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Timothy had a mother and a grandmother close to him that gave him, instilled in him a sincere faith Jonathan Men a couple weeks ago, talked about this sincere faith and what it means. And if you missed that, go back and listen to it, because that was a good one. A sincere faith for their child, Timothy, who was, in other uh, scripture, Paul refers to him as his spiritual son. So, so think about that. In, in what we're doing, mothers, as, as a sun and a shield, being those two things for, for your children, to raise them up to have a sincere faith in those ways. The next one is purely spiritual. I'm drawing on uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 here. For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain, but though we had already suffered... And been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we came with words of not... For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is, my, is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. Catch what Paul says. Like a nursing mother taking care of her children, that's how he was, him and his group were, to these Thessalonians. These were not their own children. These were children in the spirit. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for James and God sending James into my life because I, I call him my gospel dad. He had a fundamental role to play in my life coming to know the Lord. What I don't often talk about because she doesn't live here is my gospel mom. 
who supported me through very, very difficult times and did the same exact thing James did, speaking life into me, giving me God's truth, telling me, reminding me of who I am in the Lord, that I am a new creation, that the, the junk of my past doesn't matter now, that Christ and being hidden in him is what matters. She was there doing what Paul was to these Thessalonians. So being a son and shield, moms, even if you don't have kids of your own, you have an opportunity to take somebody with you to raise them up in a spiritual way to provide for them in the ways that God wants to provide for them. That, that motherhood knows no age. It knows no place. It knows no relation other than the Spirit. I think that's a pretty cool thing. The last one here, I call it ecclesiastical, but really what I mean is within the body of the church. I'm going to pull from uh, Titus 2. It says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. There's there's prevailing sense in a lot of churches that once you reach a certain age, you get to, like, retire. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That's not God's plan. God has a greater plan. You get to retire when you come into his, his complete rest in heaven. That's retirement. So here and now, we run a race. And that's hard. And, and when, as we get older, like I'm 38 now, and compared to even a couple of years ago, I'm like, man, my body doesn't do what it used to. My mind doesn't do what it used to. And that's hard to grapple with. There's an opportunity in old age, in barrenness, in affliction, might all prevent you from having children of your own, that might prevent you from having children close to you to, to be these things for. But your work is not done. You guys have an opportunity as mothers of a different sense to come into that fortitude that the Lord has for you. Whether it's twilight years or, or childlessness, loss. So, Lord, mothers, be a sun and shield for those children, too. The title of this whole thing is Mothers Matter. But why do mothers matter? Just like we talked at the beginning, as, as a, a mirror and seeing a reflection, that whole analogy, mothers, you are a reflection of God the more and more you become like the Lord, that the Lord sanctifies you, the better that reflection is. You are reflecting God's heart of comfort and protection, of compassion, of nurturing 
for those children who are closest to you and those children that you might not even be thinking of right now. So my last word of encouragement is simply, if you feel, moms, that you are broken or shattered or distorted or warped, that the truth that you should be coming back to is that you were made in God's image. That he designed you as a reflection of him. And that there are many, many roles that you can play that, that show that you are a sun and shield for him just as he is for us. Lord, thank you just for being good. For giving us pictures and images to, to relate to you with. And, and to see more of your heart, more of your character lived out in this world. Lord, I, I pray that these words that were spoken were, were glorifying and honoring to you, but also encouraging to those who've heard them. And, and we ask that, that you teach us all the more. Um, show yourself as a sun and shield to us. Teach each of us to be a sun and shield to those around us and, and especially our children. Lord, I pray a special blessing over, over the moms and... Um, those who might not be thinking of themselves as moms, that you would just uh, exhort them, that you would inspire them and build them up in your spirit to accomplish your will. Lord, we thank you for this time here and a chance to fellowship together, and we ask for your continued blessing, Lord. We praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for studying the Word of God with us today. If you were blessed by the teaching of it, would you please make sure to share it, that others too may be blessed and grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace.